23rd Psalm. Uh, last week we made quite a dent in it, I think. We got five whole words in, right? We got into the, the, the fifth word and, and we stopped right there. The Lord is my shepherd. And that's actually the, uh, the title for the whole series. Uh, and, and many of you took the opportunity last week to renew your commitment to allow the Lord to truly be your shepherd, uh, to lead and guide your lives. Of course, if you missed that uh, 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 sermon, uh, you want to get caught up, uh, it's not too late, and you can always go back and watch the, uh, the, the video on, on the, uh, if you go to the medinanaz.life and go to the, uh, the, the videos page, or you want to just listen to it, uh, you can go to the listen page and download that. You can log on to Facebook, as some people are now. I hope that you've been spending some time in this psalm, in these six verses. I hope you read through it a few times this week, maybe even paused a little bit and, and, and thought about it. I know it's, it's, uh, it's common, uh, many of you probably have it memorized. Uh, there's, there's so much there. And so uh, this fall, we want to spend some time just kind of slowly walking through what this psalm means and how it applies to our lives. So I challenge you to continue to, uh, to, to, to read that and, uh, and soak in it. So last week, we, we recognized that it really does make a big difference who your shepherd is, right? We have, there's a lot of shepherds, a lot of things or people that we could and that we do follow, but only the Lord will lead us where we need to go and provide what we need. And we know that because of the very next line. So we did the Lord is my shepherd, the first five words, but the, 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 the next line, the, the, the last part of that sentence is, I lack nothing, Right? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Other translations might say something like, I shall not want, or uh, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's incredible. That sounds awesome. This is one reason why people love this psalm so much, because it's a statement, it's seemingly a promise that I will have whatever I want or need or long for as long as I follow the shepherd. People love this. I mean, I love this. I mean, I lack nothing. But then as I think about it, for more than a second, it seems like there's a bit of a problem because we, we do lack things, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't have everything. I'm, I'm trying sometimes, but I don't have everything yet anyway, right? I don't have, I, I mean, I, I was just thinking, uh, the first thing that came to my head this week was, was household projects. I mean, we've always got another project, right? We've got a list, and there are things that are next. There are projects to tackle and things to save up. Uh, it takes time to save up before we can tackle the next project and, and old things that need to be replaced. And, and if I had a bunch more money, I could do it right away, but I don't. I lack the funds to get all the things. And that's probably true for a boatload of areas, not just uh, uh, household projects, but we, we lack the funds for all the things, right? We, we, we have lists, we're saving, we're wishing, but right now, I mean, let's be honest, right now we're lacking in some things. And, and not just physical things and not just money, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that you, you probably have unmet expectations, in a variety of places in your life. Or maybe there are relational needs or desires that haven't materialized. Or there are emotional issues that, 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 uh, that, that need to be taken care of. And it's, it's maybe just the fact that, yeah, we, I have problems in my life. Things that I wish were different. Uh, I have to deal with disappointment. So how can the psalmist say that he has no lack? That he lacks nothing? And, and so we, we, we have to get it straight. This can't mean... That if the Lord is our shepherd, he'll write us a blank check for whatever we want. That's, that's not what this 
means. David himself, who wrote this psalm, dealt with all sorts of issues and problems in his life, right? There were, there were many times that he feared for his life, that he had to deal with pain and difficulty and disappointment and, and a boatload of family problems. I mean, if, if you think about it, we today actually have a lot more than David had, a lot more than virtually all the people that we, uh, that, that, that we read about in the, in the Bible. I mean, do I need to mention indoor plumbing? We have this. They lacked that, right? Uh, uh, they didn't have uh, 401ks or central air conditioning or minivans. I mean, I don't think David even had, a, uh, had an iPhone. I don't, I don't think that he had one. And yet he wrote, I lack nothing. He, he lacked an iPhone. We know that. So then, so how can we read this and we nod our heads in agreement and we say, yeah, I lack nothing. This feels so great. We have, I have everything. But if we think for a second, it just doesn't jive with reality. So was, was David lying? Are we fooling ourselves? Or maybe there's something deeper going on here. And I, I think we benefit from the translation, um, I shall not want. Because that, that gets at it from a, from a different angle, right? It's, it's not necessarily that we have everything we might possibly desire. The concept here is that I'm completely contented with the care that I'm receiving from my shepherd. I'm, I'm not craving or longing for anything because the things that I really truly need have already been provided and the shepherd is handling everything. The focus then isn't, isn't focused in on the things that we have or don't have, but the focus is on the shepherd, the, the Lord who is our shepherd, because he has thought ahead and has provided everything that his sheep might need in order to be content. And that, that is where the essence of this little phrase in the, in the psalm, uh, that, that's what, what it's getting at. We're, we're talking here about contentment, being content. Are you content? Are you living in peace and rest, knowing that your shepherd is taking care of everything? Unfortunately, I think I see a lot more complaining than I do contentment these days. I, maybe you, uh, I don't know, there's a story about a, a, a widow who was known... I, um, Back in the day in, in Ireland, she was known for being cantankerous and complaining and, and, and uh, she complained about everything and everyone. She lived on an old farm, uh, uh, old potato farm and, and uh, uh, one year the crop was just abundant and it was great and her pastor finally thought, well, there, here's an opportunity. I can, I can uh, actually highlight the positive and maybe get her out of her, her uh, grouchy, cantankerous, complaining spirit. And so he visited her on a sunny, af- sunny afternoon and, and he, he said, for once you must be pleased. Everyone is saying how splendid did your potatoes are this year and the lady glared at him and she said well they're not so bad but where are the rotten ones for the pigs she says gotta complain had to complain uh, it, it, of course then then there's the guy who went to church I'm sure it wasn't this church went to church uh, with his family on Sunday and that's their driving home afterward all he could do was say uh, just complain about everything that he had just experienced he says the music was too loud and the sermon was too long and the announcements were unclear and the building was hot and the people were unfriendly and he went on and on and finally his son interrupted him and said but dad you got to admit it wasn't a bad show for just a buck right so <laughs> We need probably maybe more than a buck. In the, no, just that's a whole other sermon. Maybe uh, we're not going there today. But uh, I, I'm sure that there have been complainers in every generation, right, throughout history. I, I, 
maybe it's just me and maybe it's just because I'm living in this generation, but it seems like it's reached epidemic proportions. Uh, Many people want things to be just so, to get every whim provided, to not be inconvenienced in any way, uh, but then to be able to change their minds on what they want or deserve at the drop of a hat. And it's always someone else's fault and someone else who is doing them wrong and it's so negative and it's so draining and it's just so difficult to be with those people. And now I'm just as guilty because I'm complaining about the complainers, right? So, uh, so I, I guess I got to back up. But I, I mean, H.B. London, maybe, maybe you uh, have heard of or read books by uh, the late preacher and author H.B. London. He used to call those kind of people joy suckers. They just suck the joy out of everything, right? I, I, don't raise your hand. Do you know any joy suckers? Are you a joy sucker? Here's the, 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 the line in your notes there. Don't suck joy. Maybe if you're not taking anything else out of, uh, out of this sermon today, that's the, uh, that's the instruction you need to take. Don't suck joy. Uh, don't don't uh, be that complaining person. There is no place in the 23rd Psalm for joy suckers. When the Lord is your shepherd, you'll be content. You shall not want. Tied into that, you won't complain because your, your shepherd is taking care of things and so you trust him. Verse two describes what he does. Yes, we're going more than three words today. We're actually jump, jumping into the next verse. Uh, uh, but, uh, verse two describes what he does for us that leads to our contentment. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The p- picture of utter peace and contentment, right? Utter rest. And it's only possible because of the care of the shepherd. He's working on our behalf to provide not all the things that we might want, but everything that we certainly need. Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, says that sheep will not lie down. Uh, They will not be content unless four things are true. That there's no imminent danger, that there's no tension among the sheep, no tension in the flock, That there are no little aggravations, and he talks about bugs and ticks and those kinds of things, and that they're not hungry or thirsty. They won't lie down unless unless those four things, those four requirements are met, then they can be uh, rested and content, then they can lie down. So when David writes that the shepherd makes him lie down in green pastures, he's saying that the shepherd has taken care of those things, uh, made sure those things are provided for, Uh, only the shepherd can provide those things so that the sheep can lie down. David was saying so much just in these few words, so much about God and his care for us. Simply saying that he makes it possible for us to lie down, possible for us to rest. It's possible for us to be content because I I, I think that that we many times allow those same four things uh, to keep us from experiencing contentment. So the first thing the shepherd does for us is that he protects us from from danger and surprises. Uh, Sheep are jumpy. 
They get scared pretty easily. Uh, Keller in his book says, uh, uh, tells several stories uh, about uh, uh, different things that, that happened that, uh, that uh, surprised his flock or put them in down. I mean, he talked about very real predators coming to harm the flock or just uh, something that startles them, like a rabbit jumping out of the, the, the bush. And he, he talked about, uh, there's a story in there about a rabbit jumps out and the whole flock gets up and, and literally went clear across the pasture to the other side just because they got surprised and, and scared by this, this, uh, this little bunny jumping out. Danger and surprises can take away any sense of peace and contentment in the sheep. So a good shepherd does all that he can to keep the sheep safe. He builds fences and, and walls and, and, and there's a gate and he locks the gate in order to keep those dangers, those predators out, right? And, and, and then Keller says that the best way that he found to keep his flock at ease from potential dangers and surprises was if they knew that he was right there with them watching. He'd provided a safe place for them in the pasture, but then he was also watching over them. It wasn't that, that there would never be danger at the gate or surprise bunnies in the bushes, but he was there to deal with those things when they came. And I, and I think that's the same with us. Of course, there are dangers in our lives and, and things that can take us by surprise and we can be all worried about that and, and not be content in the moment because what if this and, and this might happen and, and this happened there so it's probably gonna happen again and, and, but God has promised to be with us. I mean, it's actually uh, the name that he gave Jesus uh, at, at Christmas. I know it's not Christmas yet, but it's true year round. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And then, then Jesus, as he, um, as, as he was, uh, he died, he raised from the dead and he was about to ascend into heaven. He promised, uh, because of the spirit who was to come, he promised his disciples, surely I will be with you always. The biggest reason that we can rest in this world is not because our shepherd has gotten rid of all the threats. Instead, he has promised to be with us no matter what might come our way. And because of that, we can be content. Well, another thing the shepherd does is that he diminishes tension in the flock. Another big thing that, that, that causes uh, uh, sheep to, to not settle down and rest is, is what, uh, uh, what Keller refers to as tension in the flock. He talks about, uh, well, with chickens, it's, a, it's the pecking order, right? And with, uh, with cattle, it's the horning order. And he says with sheep, it's called the butting order. Uh, so certain sheep exert their authority and they headbutt each other and push them around. And, and there's certainly one that's kind of uh, the, the, the one in charge and, and butts all the rest. And, and then the next one down might uh, pass that on to the rest. And there's certainly an order of who's in charge and, and uh, who's the most powerful and, and who's going get to the, get the most of what they want. And it's this, it's this uh, bullying, uh, butting order, so to speak, that uh, it's this competition each sheep trying to be the best, each sheep trying to get the best for themselves, to, to get their own way and, 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 and do that. And I'm just so glad that in the body of Christ, in the church, that no one ever tries to throw their weight around or exert authority over others or be selfish. I'm so glad that there is never tension in the flock in churches, right? Never, it's never, it, it might have, well, maybe not here. It, anyway, uh, we will never reach anyone with the gospel and with the love of Jesus if we can't first love each other. And that's, 
right, that comes straight from Jesus and some of his last uh, instructions to his disciples. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And when people see your love, they will be drawn not only to you, but to me, he says. And, and uh, uh, other people will know that you are my followers, Jesus said, if, because of your love. That, that you're people of love, not people of competition or, or comparison or pettiness or power. Those tensions in the flock steal our contentment. It's, it's a funny thing. Uh, uh, Keller said that, that the shepherd can watch from the window as the sheep posture for position. He can look out his, his window and see the, the flock and see them kind of button each other and getting, uh, getting certain uh, things and, and seeing all this, this play out. But as soon as he steps into the pasture, the squabbling stops. The presence of the shepherd stops the pettiness and infighting. He says it this way, relating it to our lives with God. When my eyes are on my master, they're not on those around me. This is the place of peace. When we realize the the presence of the shepherd, we stop quarreling with each other and it ushers in contentment and peace. When there's tension in the flock, we can't be content. So we need to be people of love and our shepherd allows us to do that as we recognize his presence among us. Well, another thing that the shepherd does is alleviates aggravation. Uh, uh, the one thing that really bugs sheep are the bugs, uh, things like parasites and, and nasal flies and ticks. I never thought I'd utter the phrase nasal flies in a sermon, but there we go. Uh, uh, it, it, see, it seemingly these tiny little things, and yet they, they're, they're so aggravating, they can literally uh, drive a sheep bonkers. And, uh, and, and so later in this psalm, we're going to get to it uh, in, in a few weeks, and, and we'll talk about the, the uh, more in detail about the soothing oil and the balm that the, the shepherd prepares and then treats the sheep with in order to get rid of those pests. Uh, he anoints my head with oil. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into that uh, um, in, a, in a few weeks. But, but, but already here we, we see this beginning to, as part of this, uh, he, he, he makes me lie down uh, in green pastures. We, we see that, that one reason that they can lay down is because the shepherd is alleviating uh, the, the, the pests and the things that get under their skin and, and he puts oil and salve on their faces and on their ears, on their heads where the pests gather the most in scripture uh, many times the the oil refers to the holy spirit and a huge part of living a contented life with our shepherd is by receiving the peace of his holy spirit in our lives as we follow him as we live with him as as he focuses our attention away from the aggravations of life and instead on on his work to diminish those aggravations and to build his character within within us in order to deal with those aggravations i i read this a, a while back years ago and it's kind of always stuck with me in the back of my mind sometimes to uh to my uh detriment I guess or, or it, it convicts me anyway uh, a great way that we can evaluate if we're beginning to stray in our relationship with God is how quickly we get irritated with things um, uh, how grouchy we get when things don't go our way I, are you easily irritated are you aggravated are you crabby uh, don't don't testify to that today but uh, maybe the people around you can I don't know we're not going to do that either but that can be a sign, not just that you're having a bad day, but maybe you're not living with the joy and the peace and the patience of the Holy Spirit 
in your life, right? You're, you're getting further away from, from God and so these little aggravations become big things and, and, and cause controversy and, and discontent. Uh, content people aren't grouchy. Our good shepherd makes it possible for us to lie down as his spirit diminishes our reactions to the irritations of life that tend to, for lack of a better term, bug us, right? Our shepherd can take care of those aggravations and allow us to be content. Well, we need to, we need to get to those green pastures and those quiet waters, right? Uh, our shepherd satisfies our hunger and thirst. Sheep won't lie down when they're hungry and thirsty. But, but, but having their hunger and thirst satisfies, uh, satisfied leads to a contented flock. First off, I think we need to recognize that there are things that we feed on that do not truly satisfy. Can we, can we acknowledge that right up front? Uh, these, are, these are green pastures. They're not brown, diseased pastures. Uh, there are pastures that we can wander into that are anything but green. And there are waters that are not clean and clear and quiet. And at times... We feed on things in our lives, right, that are unhealthy and withered or rotten or full of dirt and disease. And yet we feed on those things and we will not live the contented uh, life with our good shepherd if we're not feeding on the things that bring life and contentment. If, if the Lord is truly your shepherd, you will allow him to steer you away from those things that bring spiritual disease and lead you toward things that make you spiritually healthy. We also need to know, as we think about these green pastures and quiet waters, that the picture we need to have in our heads is, is probably not the picture that jumped into, into your mind and into my mind as I read that. It's not the lush pasture lands of the Midwest. Uh, David was a shepherd in the Middle East, not exactly known for its green landscapes, right? Uh, I, I want us to watch just a, a couple minutes of, of uh, teacher and author Ray Vanderland as he uh, describes, he's teaching a tour group in Israel and they're going around different places and, and he's teaching them in this clip all about green pastures and what that meant. Let's watch this together. As part of a shepherd lesson, I did want to look at one thing in the wilderness that will maybe surprise you a bit. Believe it or not, this is called wilderness, midbar, but it's also called green pastures. Now, when you take a Westerner here the first time and you look at this, you find people say, well, I don't know that I can go there because the Psalm 23, the Lord leads me into green pastures, has been pictured as belly deep alfalfa. Well, you haven't seen any belly deep alfalfa. And from biblical time to today, it's rare to see a flock in the farm country. There isn't a lot of farm country in this culture. And so farmers kept the shepherds out as much as they could. Maybe they would come in a little bit after the harvest to glean what was left, but you don't want sheep where you can farm. This is the land of the shepherd. Right on the hillside across from us, you can see those grazing trails cut there by sheep maybe as long ago as Abraham's time. They're spaced so that an animal on one path and an animal on another can reach right to the middle between them. That determines the distance, so you can graze an entire hillside. And the shepherds lead their sheep across that hillside slowly, grazing 
what's there. Now, you look at it from here and you say, what's there? In fact, I remember my first impression. I woke up one morning, I was sleeping out in the wilderness, and I remember waking up, watching a flock of sheep on a hillside like this, and my, re my feeling was, what are those rock-eating sheep? I mean, what do they eat? How can you call this green pastures? Well, the answer is, there's a small amount of moisture present here. They get a little bit of rain every year, not much, but a little. Second, there is humidity in the air, especially in the evening breeze, like right now, you can feel it. Coming from the west off the Mediterranean, there's moisture in the air. That moisture, combination of the rain and the humidity, condenses or drips along the edge of these rocks here. And if you notice, right around the rocks, almost always next to the rocks, you get little tufts of green. Get one a moment. That's what we refer to as the green pastures. So the shepherd looks for a hillside. That's exactly what she was doing. Look at that flock across from us there. Just stunning. Those two shepherd girls have found a hillside that either was exposed to the wind or had that small amount of rain. And they move that flock across the hillside and it's one mouthful here, walk a step or two, another mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful. Now that changes the green pasture image a little bit besides the picture changing radically. Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. If you make that belly deep alfalfa, then what God is saying, if you follow me, I'm gonna plunk you down and you'll never have to move an inch the rest of your life. Just reach out and grab it. Tell me that your life with God has been like that. Worry, said one rabbi, is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. In the desert, you learn, the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. 10 minutes from now, you trust the shepherd just enough. That phrase, I lack nothing, is actually a statement of deep, deep faith. I'm trusting the shepherd completely and he will supply my needs and I will not get anxious about apparent dangers or aggravations or, or, uh, other, or, or my physical needs. My, my, my shepherd, the Lord, is supplying everything I need. This psalm is describing a contented life, a life free from worry. As he said, worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. I shall not want. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because he is providing for me and, and is, is, uh, is with me. Uh, you notice that that's the key here with, with all of these, uh, these four things that could derail us, right, uh, from contentment. It's the presence and the care of the shepherd that makes all the difference. That shepherd, uh, is, uh, our, our good shepherd, is, is aware of what we need before we even know we need it. And if we trust him, he, he, will, uh, he will provide for us and we can be content if the Lord is my shepherd. Here's, here's a great question uh, to ask if you're evaluating. Am I really trusting God? Am I really living as if there is no lack? Uh, ask the question, is there something? What is it that I fear I will run out of? Or what is it that I, that I uh, think I don't or won't have enough of? 
And if there's anything, then that's an area where you need to learn to trust and be content and to allow God to, uh, to work in your life that you don't lack anything because he is your shepherd. In, in these chapters in, uh, in Keller's book, he has a great description of, uh, of the attentive shepherd. Not only uh, physical, the shepherd, like he was for so many years, but, but also referring to our good shepherd. And, and rather than trying to put it in my own words, I just want to read straight from, from the book today. It says this, from early dawn until late at night, this utterly selfless shepherd is alert to the welfare of his flock. For the diligent sheepman rises early and goes out first thing every morning without fail to look over his flock. It is the initial intimate contact of the day. With a practiced, searching, sympathetic eye, he examines the sheep to see that they are fit and content and able to be on their feet. In an instant, he can tell if they have been molested during the night, whether they are ill or if there are some that require special attention. Repeatedly throughout the day, he casts his eye over the flock to make sure that all is well. Nor even at night is he oblivious to their needs. He, he sleeps, as it were, with one eye and both ears open, ready at the least sign of trouble to leap up and protect his own. And then he says, this is a sublime picture of the care given to those whose lives are under Christ's control. He knows all about their lives from morning to night. Do you know that God is watching over your life like that? Do you, do you trust him even when it looks like it's a, it's a hillside of rocks and where in the world is the green pasture? Do you trust him that, that even if there might be dangers or surprises or annoyances, he's still taking care of things? Because if the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. You shall not want. He is providing for you so you can trust him. Father God, I pray that you would move and work in our hearts and lives, that you will help us to, uh, to recognize where maybe we are complaining or places where we are pointing out that we lack certain things. Lord, I pray that you will deepen our faith today. Even in these moments, deepen our faith. Help us to know that we know that we know that you are our shepherd and you are enough, more than enough to provide everything we might possibly need. Lord, I pray that it will be obvious that we are in the flock. We are one of your children that we are, uh, we are following you as our shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.